I'm very excited to be able to bring such a wonderful voice today. Julius Bogdan is an incredible expert in both the nitty-gritty that it takes to succeed with analytics and also in mastering the big picture of why we do analytics and how you bring all those components together successfully, not just technology, but people, skills, culture. So whether you are looking to lead your team or your organization into more advanced analytics or to take that first step into really defining an intentional analytics strategy, or whether you're looking to bring someone in from the outside who's going to help you do this, I think this conversation will really help you understand what success looks like with analytics and how you can avoid some pitfalls that might trip you up. Hello, and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, the podcast where we explore the human side of analytics to amplify the impact of nonprofits and social enterprises. With me, your host, Alexandra Mannering. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am very lucky to have a very experienced expert here to talk about analytics and how we can get started and some pitfalls that we can avoid in our journey to advance our analytics. So Julius, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Julius Bogdan. I am the Vice President of Analytics for HIMSS. HIMSS, for those of you who uh, don't know, is the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society. We are a global advisor, thought leader, and a member organization that is committed to uh, transforming the health ecosystem. So our vision is to realize the full health potential of every human everywhere. And our global mission is to reform the global health ecosystem through the power of information and technology. It's a very lofty and very noble goal that it has. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> very mission-driven so, organization. And I love it. I love it. So let's start with the basics. When organizations first get started on that journey to analytics, what do they need to be thinking about and working on first? Like, What's the fundamental things to get right to start you off on the right foot to your analytic journey? So first and foremost, you really have to understand where you are in your analytics journey. Getting an assessment of what assets you have, what capabilities you have, what resources you have, because across most organizations today, there are pockets of analytics, reporting, you know, things like that going on. So understanding where those are, how those are utilized is a good first step. Uh, understanding what you have and where you are. A second step is understanding how mature your organization is in terms of adopting and implementing analytic solutions. What is the data literacy of the organization? What is the appetite? And how data-driven is your culture? Because one of the challenges with uh, adopting and implementing analytics is, you know, you can build the uh, shiniest dashboards, tools, whatever it happens to be, but if no one's going to use them because there's not an appetite or uh, a capability or capacity, then you're kind of spinning your wheels. And then one overlooked thing, a lot of organizations today have implemented systems for CMR, ERP, EMR, uh, EHR, I mean, whatever you want. That's more specific to healthcare, but every industry has their systems. Today's systems have a lot of some you know, basic analytic capabilities. 
So investigating and making sure that you're utilizing that, getting the ROI of your investment in those systems before you undertake the journey of building something new or different, make sure that you're leveraging the capabilities of the systems that you have from the analytics perspective. So those are the three things that I would say most organizations should have a good grasp on uh, before progressing on their analytics journey. I think that idea of understanding where you are is so important because you can't figure out where you want to go until you know where your starting point is. You have to have a sense of what's already in place. I like you said that it's a very rare organization indeed that has truly zero data and analytics. Right. Even if you're still, even if you were still collecting things on paper, that's data, right? We all have uh, data stored somewhere. We have resources already available to us. And I love that you include not just the technology that's needed, but also the culture and the human skills. A data-driven culture, an appetite for using analytics is necessary, but it's not a guaranteed thing. We don't just wake up one day and all agree, yes, we have that and we're ready to go. I think data literacy is an often overlooked skill. We underestimate the amount of training that it takes to be comfortable around data and the fact that this has to be something for everybody, not just the analysts right. Right, for, for data literacy. Do you have any recommendations for assessing data literacy and data culture? To my knowledge, there aren't any you know, kind of global standard assessments for data literacy and data culture. And it's not a one size fits all. How organizations kind of approach that is tailored to their needs, right? If you've got a lot of engineers in an organization, that's going to look a lot different than, you know, nursing uh, or retail. There's not a one size fits all. Understanding where people's capacity around basic statistics, understanding visualizations, because these are the things, right? So decision makers uh, or, you know, analytics is really kind of tailored towards presenting the data in a way so you can gather insights and make decisions to drive your business, right? So if you don't have the capacity to understand what the chart is telling you or to pick out the relevant data points and trend, then that's going to hinder you from making effective decisions, right? So those are kind of the basic things that you need to get a grasp on. And then as you tailor your solutions from an analytics organization perspective, you want to kind of meet your audience where they are and then take baby steps in the direction of you know, helping them mature. If you build something overly engineered or overly complicated, you're going to lose adoption because people uh, won't find it useful. Even to this day, and this was true when I worked at Microsoft many years ago, um, the number one BI or business intelligence or analytics tool out there is still Excel. People are comfortable with Excel format, you know, pivots, you know, everything else. A lot of organizations that start their analytic journeys start by providing similar solutions so they don't lose their audience. And then they kind of build from there into more advanced visualizations and more advanced capabilities. But you got to start by meeting where you, your audience where they are. The idea of taking steps is really important. It's not a quantum leap. We don't just go from point A to point Z. You have to, as you said, move point A to point B to point C to point D, bringing your audience and your group all along with you, as well as the fact that as you said, there's not just the single one size solution that everyone's trying to get to. So you may think you know where you need to go, but as you take those steps, you may need to modify it because you either yes. just 
dis- determine that that wasn't the right goal for you, or there's limitations you weren't aware of, or you found a better way to do it. So that's actually a really good point. So an analytic strategy should have flexibility built in to be able to pivot when you run into those challenges. Uh, because again, best laid plans are laid to waste. Understanding what foundational needs you have, understanding the capabilities and capacity of the organization, and having the mindset, and this is actually something key that I found in my experience when I was a, a data leader in the healthcare space, was the mindset of fail fast. The idea of being able and having the latitude to create new things and testing things. Uh, and if it doesn't work, you pivot and move in a different direction. But having that mindset really enables you to kind of push the boundaries and move forward. If you continue down the trajectory of just building what the audience needs time and again, you're stuck in a rut. It's that old... uh, The afforded... If I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have told me a faster course. Yes, exactly. Right? That's why it has to be... You start where your audience is, but then you start to push the envelope into the direction that you need them to go. And so you start with the horse and buggy, and then you move into the Model T, and then into you know Tesla territory, right? But it's a... Give and take in the sense that, you know, not every solution they build is going to be, you know, they take off. Actually, you know, I, I read a statistic a, a while ago. I'm not sure if it still holds true, but it was anywhere between 60 and 70 percent of analytic solutions fail within organizations. Uh, and even if that's not the case, it's still a pretty fa- a high failure rate, again, because of the three factors we discussed at the beginning, understanding where the organization is capacity and capability to uh, take those um, solutions and implement them and make decisions based off of them, and then the data-driven culture, right? So you need those components to be able to mature into artificial intelligence and NLP and these more advanced capabilities. I think there's a meta element here where the whole point of having analytics is to be able to judge where you are, assess your current situation, measure your progress towards a defined goal. And then if you're not getting there or not getting there fast enough or efficiently enough, then you adjust and you use the analytics to help you take a good guess at that adjustment. And you use the analytics to say, did that adjustment work? And yet when we're applying and building new analytic solutions, we sometimes forget that they should follow that same model right? That we should be figuring out where we are. We should see if we're achieving that and we should be flexible enough to make adjustments if we're not actually getting towards the goal of what we're doing. I know that we've talked a lot about this, that sometimes one of the reasons we don't approach our analytic journey with that same kind of flexibility is that analytics is made synonymous with IT and we have IT own that project entirely. So could we talk a little bit about why that's a mistake? Yeah, so a couple of reasons, but let me back up that you were talking about the maturity curve for analytics, right? So what you described in analyzing where you were to be able to make decisions about your future, you know, that's kind of the base level of analytics. That's what I call or what, what's called descriptive analytics, understanding what happened, right? That is the first level. If you don't understand what happened, how can you understand how or why it happened, what will happen in the future, what should happen in the future? So descriptive analytics, first and foremost, you need to nail that. Again, a lot of systems today come with descriptive analytics out of the box, at least for their system. Integrating the data and everything else, that, that's a you know, different ballgame. But um, diagnostic analytics is the next step, which is understanding why something happened. Right? So understanding what happened is step one, understanding why it happened is step two, 
again, this is in that decision-making process as you create your strategy for the future. Then we go to predictive analytics, predicting what will happen, uh, trying to predict what will happen. And then prescriptive is how do we get the desired results that we want? And that's the real insight that a lot of organizations are driving to. A lot of organizations uh, today still struggle with descriptive analytics, foundations that want. So that said, the conversation or the, the topic of analytics living in IT, there are two functions to analytics. One is the infrastructure, database, database administration, database engineering, data warehousing, big data, cloud services, all of that. That should live in IT. Uh, that belongs in IT, should be part of the IT strategy of, you know, how do we put the pieces, the infrastructure in place to support the analytic functions that we need across the organization. Analytics, as you mature, uh, should expand into the business. It's a business function. You need the business to be able to adopt those analytic solutions and to be able to run their business and, and make decisions about their future. The more you push analytics into the business, the more you know, integration you need between business units and IT. So IT is informed of what systems or what things they need from an infrastructure perspective to put into place and the business dictating what initiatives they're trying to tackle and, and things like that. In a mature organization, analytics is democratized, meaning that to some degree should be part of everybody's job. It is not, you know, a singular function, but is it is part of everybody's function to really drive um, the organization forward. That is a true data-driven culture. Most organizations aren't there, so that's my my take on analytics and you know, kind of where it lives and historically where it's been. There's always this debate slash question that I get all the time on. All right, so what should my analytics organization look like? Should I have it centralized, you know, in one place under IT? Should I have it decentralized? Should I have a hybrid? And what should this look like? Um, a lot of organizations that undertake this journey start with a centralized model because it's more command and control. And uh, a lot of analytics that starts off the journey for most organizations starts off with the system very in place. And those are usually controlled by IT. So that's fine to start with a centralized model, but that soon becomes a bottleneck. All of a sudden, the business understands the importance of analytics, comes to IT and says, hey, we need all these you know, solutions and reports, and they become the bottleneck in generating and creating those. Not only that, but IT doesn't have the business acumen to really understand what it is that they're trying to solve. So oftentimes, they get bogged down in uh, creating these point solutions to answer a specific question. Instead of stepping back, using elements of design thinking to understand why they're trying to create that, understanding themes to be able to build the systems that they need to answer those themes, and then letting the analyst within the business do the analytics and drive the insight. It's much more powerful to build you know, a dashboard that can answer multiple questions or allow the user to filter and pivot and create different visualizations for what they're trying to analyze versus creating a report that answers a specific question. Because the next thing is, oh, I see, we have this particular trend. I want to learn more about that. You come back to IT and put in another ticket that says, hey, I need a report that you know, analyzes this. And on and on it goes. And so it just mushrooms into a capacity problem for IT to handle. I heard once the analogy of the centralized versus decentralized analytics being compared to 
um, a sit-down restaurant versus a buffet. You go to a sit-down restaurant and you're like, I am going to have, you know, the the tuna tartare. And you get that dish and you're like, well, this is great, but now I want to try this other thing. And then they have to go back. The chef has to make the whole thing from scratch and come back and give you your next dish. Versus, you know, at the buffet, it's not that you just turn everyone loose and everyone's building things from scratch because that is not going to work. But that your IT function, your data management function curates the right ingredients. So they'll have the salad bar put out and someone has chopped up all the vegetables and mixed up the dressing and they put it out, but then people can come make a little bit of this salad and a little bit of that salad. And as they need to adapt it or adjust it, they can do that themselves rather than having to wait for IT to build each individual salad. And and you, you hit on a really good point that, again, a lot of organizations are weary to move away from the centralized uh, model, fearing losing control of, you know, the the process, the quality, all of that stuff. So that curation is really key. And one of the challenges, and organizations understand this to some extent, the problem is they understand the problem, they don't understand what it takes to get to a solution. The solution is data governance, right? And everybody struggles with data governance. If you don't have definitions for certain things that are standardized, then you're going to get reporting that conflicts or doesn't tie. And all of a sudden you lose trust in the data, Uh, not because the data is incorrect, but because you're using different definitions to look at the same potential problem. So um, in my previous role, uh, putting my other hat on, I had the uh, CMO of our organization come to me and say, hey, I get these four different reports on joint replacement procedures and costs. Which one should I trust? Well, the answer is, they're all accurate, but they have different definitions of what they're measuring. So that's a data governance problem. Putting data governance in place and paying attention to it and actually putting resources behind it is a key element to maturing beyond kind of the descriptive diagnostic stage of, of uh, the maturity curve. What that enables to do is for IT to build centralized systems to support the business in a curated fashion, provide curated data sets for the business that are standardized and they can generate quality reports. So the challenge with your analogy between the the restaurant, the chef and the uh, buffet is typically buffets have lower quality than, you know, a chef cooked meal. So we want to try to avoid that. And the way to avoid that is to have the chef who prepares the, the buffet. That's true. That's a good point. But when you think about the quality of food, I'm trying to think, you know, the Vegas buffets <laughs> don't follow that. If you've ever been right. to a Vegas buffet, those are top notch. Very true. Very, very true. I agree. Um, I think one of the areas that people drop the ball a lot of times is this idea of an analytic strategy. The number of times that people have looked at me and said, what do you mean like data strategy? That that's just not something that is in their ballpark of why would we need that? They don't have people and leadership in data. They put it under IT or they'll put it under finance or whatever, and there's no leadership position that represents analytics. So can you talk a little bit about some of the common mistakes that get made around data strategies and how we can understand what makes a good strategy and and develop one for ourselves? So that's an interesting question. Most industries today have moved beyond the traditional, what they have been in the past, into data organizations. Healthcare, with the advent of the EMR, collects a ton of data around our patients and engagement and everything else. Yes, we're still a healthcare organization, but we're also a data 
you know, industry. Manufacturing, same thing. I mean, they collect reams and reams of data, retail, everything. So to not value data as an asset, like everything else, natural resources or your production line or whatever it happens to be, is a big mistake in large part because data is where a lot of the differentiation and how do you utilize data. So first and foremost, you need to treat data as an asset. Not only that, but you can monetize data assets. Not only give you a competitive advantage, but also potentially open up new revenue streams for you. So think of data as an asset. That's where a lot of organizations who are coming later to the game in terms of analytics don't have that mindset. And that's, again, part of the data-driven culture, but that's like the foundational piece. You have to understand and recognize that data is a valuable asset. If you don't treat it as such, you're going to start losing you know, market share or margin or whatever it happens to be, right? So once you identify that data is an asset, putting in place structures and processes and things like that, that value data as an asset like you do everything else, is the next step putting together a data governance program, putting together security policies to secure your data, understanding where is the most value, attaching economic financial measures to your data, understanding where improvements need to be made from an economic perspective for your organization. So that's kind of step two. And then step three is either monetizing or leveraging that data to provide insights that differentiate you from your competition or from you know a new market, whatever it happens to be. Whether that's you know, reaching out to prospective patients, whether that's building a better widget, whether that's optimizing your supply chain. There's a, so many use cases out there. But most industries have become data industries along with what they've historically been. That's a really great point that if you think about the assets under the roof, for so many organizations, a substantial minority, if not a majority of those assets are either directly or indirectly data. So thinking of yourself as a data organization, whether it's necessarily your first way you identify yourself, that is very true. And I think that there's an interesting thing here as well. I agree completely that data ends up being a differentiator from the successful and the unsuccessful. I think that for nonprofits, sometimes, they view data as like a corporate thing. That's what for-profit entities do. And they miss the fact that data are what help you do what you do more efficiently and more accurately. So even if you're not trying to increase your margin or your market share, you exist for a reason. So to your point, the key there is not margin or profit, it's sustainability, right? And so data can enable you to be more sustainable and expand your mission, expand your reach, whatever it happens to be. Understand the populations that you're trying to serve. There's a whole set of use cases for nonprofits, but first and foremost, it's sustainability. One of the biggest challenges with nonprofits is sustainability. So data definitely helps you understand your current position of sustainability and improve it oftentimes. Recognizing not only that data is an asset, but it's an asset that you have a responsibility to steward. For a nonprofit, your community may have given you that data. Your patients may have given you that data. Like that data is being supported by other entities and other individuals. And you have a responsibility to steward it and make the most of it so that all of the resources spent either intentionally or unintentionally in generating that data aren't wasted. Right. No, agreed. 
again, there's an inherent responsibility that organizations have about data. And governments and international bodies are putting in place things to regulate data ownership and what you can do with data. So be mindful of that as an organization, especially nonprofits. So we've covered, I think, a lot of really critical elements here. We've talked about data infrastructure. We've talked about developing analytics as a business function. It has to be tied and integrated into the things that you do every day. The the sort of journey of analytics from descriptive all the way to prescriptive analytics. What have you seen as some of the most common pitfalls that trip organizations up as they try to make this journey to analytic maturity? Introducing too much change. Uh, one time. The type of people that typically uh, organizations hire to build uh, analytic solutions are engineering oriented or you know, analytics oriented and are fairly advanced. And if your population isn't engineers or to that level of advancement, they again tend to over-engineer solutions. I'm guilty of this you know, myself because the way my mind works is different than potentially what I'm trying to, you know, convey or build to the audience. First and foremost is understanding where your audience is and building solutions to meet them where they are. If nothing else, that you need to nail that. Then the second thing along that journey is organizations, they hear buzzwords, right? And all of a sudden they're like, oh, we need artificial intelligence. <laughs> well, how is your descriptive analytics first? <laughs> You're doing your basic blocking and tackling before you can get to artificial intelligence. To be fair, everything has AI in it these days, right? And oftentimes that's more marketing than reality, (laughs) but that's what's out there and what people pick up on. Hey, we need AI. Well, maybe, (laughs) but are you able to take advantage of AI? There are some really great solutions out there and there's a lot of organizations that are pushing boundaries across a lot of different industries, but that might not be right thing for you to tackle at this time. So understanding that appetite and your capability, a lot of organizations, again, tend to want to skip ahead a few steps. And uh, I was guilty of that as well. When I started an analytics program for a healthcare system, I brought in advanced visualizations and big data and all these things. And while it was great, I was a few steps ahead of the organization. So uh, I needed to retool and repivot. It's so funny because I remember when uh, I was a director of this a state hospital association's analytic program, and I was so excited because I had built out this fully interactive analytics platform. We'd taken all of these claims data we had and it was in Power BI, so you could filter it. And I was so proud. I felt like I'd, I'd done everything and any question someone w- could have, they could answer it. And the number of times that I would get like the email of, could you just drop a screenshot of, you know, whatever into a PowerPoint and I would get an eye twitch, but it was true. Like I was in a different place than the people I was trying to get to use data. And I had to recognize, you know what, the fact that they want that chart in their PowerPoint is still a step forward because a year ago, they wouldn't have had the chart there at all. So it was always like, yes, I can put that in a PowerPoint for you. Number one functionality that we got asked for at least for the first year, if not longer, was, can I download this into Excel? (laughs) And so we actually built that functionality into our visualization tool, but that's what they wanted to do and that's how they analyze things. So yes, I totally get that. PowerPoint, Excel, you know, the basic tools that we have at our disposal. 
what you say is that you meet them where they are and then you give them something that will take them to the next step. And and I think your your point about when we bring somebody in to build one of these solutions, right? They're going to be an expert in that and it's easy for them to over-engineer. So do you have any recommendations for an organization that maybe is bringing in a consultant to help them or you know, like hiring a new person to do this? How do they keep you know, the solution small enough to fit them where they are? Good question. Consulting can be very beneficial, especially in setting strategy and things like that. But one thing that uh, often gets overlooked are those pockets of analytics that you already have in your organization. And tying into those, understanding what's been built, understanding what, you know, because those typically are homegrown, meaning that they grew up from the demand for from that business unit or function or whatever it happened to be. So that is your description of your need. Start there and tap into those folks. You either create a, a virtual organization that ties them together or something. You can start sharing ideas and thought processes and technology needs and you know, whatever else. That can inform what IT investments you need or what solutions are needed if you're going to use a third-party vendor versus trying to do it from you know, IT or trying to do it from one, one particular function that only meets the needs of that function. So tapping into those pockets of analytics, understanding who those are, uh, I think are, are pretty key to, to informing a, a well-rounded strategy. And that's a great point that one, you want to take the people who have already created something and make sure that they are a big part of defining what moves forward. Because like you said, they've identified a need and they've done the best they can to patch that need. So you want to make sure that they're part of the new solution. Otherwise, they're just going to stick with the thing that they built themselves, even if it's not optimal. Um, But the second part also is that, like you said, they've identified a need. And I think that that is something that gets missed just to your point of, we want the shiny thing, right? The number of times I've gotten, can we build a dashboard? And I'm like, that's not where we start. You don't just get a dashboard. You need to have a need or a question that the dashboard's going to answer. Like, yes, I can build you a dashboard and it will do you no good. That's where a lot of organizations get tripped up. They create the ability to create dashboards or reports. They build out a team, a reporting team, or you know, an analytics team, and they just start cranking out reports and dashboards. That's not the right approach. The right approach is to have some you know, forward-thinking individuals who lead that effort that say, okay, why do you want that dashboard? Or why do you want that report? What are you trying to answer? What initiative is this part of? Or is this something that we really need to undertake? Or are there you know, better or bigger priorities that we need to you know, roll this into? If you can do that, and I know it takes time and effort and maturity, but that's going to prevent you from going down the path of building out capability to deliver stuff that the organization might not need. <laughs> I think that that's really the crux of all of this is we, we started this conversation saying you need to know where you are. You need to know where you're starting from. And then, and we're ending this conversation with, and you need to know where you're trying to get to, what you're trying to achieve. And then you can fill in the difference between that and carve it into appropriate sized steps because you may not be able to get from where you are today all the way to achieving the thing that you're trying to achieve as an organization in one leap. You may need to take some steps to get there. I really, really appreciate your time on this. I think this is some fantastic advice and some really great frameworks and concepts for people to think about as they dive into this, because it is really easy to get distracted by all of the shiny objects out there. If you had one 
action or step that someone could take right now? So not talking about building the whole thing, but if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know, I would like to move my analytics game up just a little bit. What would be one small thing that listeners could tackle right now? So there are a couple ones, and I think what would be most impactful, one thing you could tackle is no matter what analytics function or organizations have today, they have built a you know, rudimentary or advanced delivery capacity or capability. So taking a step back and asking what it is that we're trying to build and why, what are we trying to answer versus building something? So most organizations have tools at their, at their disposal. If you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail to you. So before you use the hammer, understand, do I need a nail? Do I need a screw? Do I need a staple? What, what is it right. that I need? And what am I trying to do? Am I building a house? Am I building okay. you know, a birdhouse? Am I building a bench? Because that will inform what it is. So changing that mindset, mm-hmm. honestly, is one of the best ways to help you understand and mature your thinking mm-hmm. around analytics. Then the implementation part comes later. But starting there, I think, is a good first step. What is it that I'm trying to answer and why? Is it Simon Sinek who has the book Start With Why? It's like a big leadership thing, but I think yeah, that it's yeah. just as important in data. Yeah. Like start with the why. Why are you doing this? And I think that's a great thing of even if you're in the midst of something, do you know the answer to why? And if you don't, taking a step back and a pause and say, we need to answer this before we go any farther is that's a really, really great point. I, I think it is. There's a paradigm called design thinking that's really all around getting to the why. And I would implore a lot of organizations to learn about that because I think it's critical to the uh, success of the analytics journey and inhibiting that mindset. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I have, as always, very much enjoyed this conversation. It's always a delight and a pleasure to talk with you, Julius. Same here, Alexandra. I've always enjoyed the panels that we've been on and and the conversations we've had. So thank you for having me. That was Julius Bogdan from HIMSS. I loved what he said about analytics becoming part of everybody's jobs. That's something that I really try to stress is whether you think of yourself as a numbers person or whether you, you know, view your job as patient care or client support or volunteer management, whatever you do, there should always be a component where you are consciously aware of how you can use data and analytics to inform what you do. And that's not to say that your expertise isn't critical. It is. It's just that we should all put this tool to use to help us do our jobs even better. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Julius as much as I did. Again, if you need some help taking some steps forward in your analytic journey, please feel free to to reach out to Julius on LinkedIn um, or reach out to to me and my company at Maracanos. I started Maracanos to help organizations figure out how to blend the expertise and power of people with the strength and insight of data. So I would love to help you out on your journey wherever you happen to be in that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and take care of yourself. You have been listening to Heart, Soul, and Data. This podcast is brought to you by Maracanus. 
an analytics education, consulting, and data services company devoted to helping nonprofits and social enterprises amplify their impacts and thrive through data. You can learn more at Maracanos.com. M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S.com. 